0: And welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Today's episode, of course, is us previewing the Big Ten Championship. The Badgers will be making their sixth appearance in the Big Ten's biggest game. So, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. We had Colton Denning, who joined the show earlier in the year to talk Ohio State back on the show as a recurring guest to dive into Ohio State this time around. He gave us some great insight on where the Bucky, Buc-eyes are at, I should say and unfortunately for us, he says that the Ohio State team looks better than they did in October currently. So big challenge for the Badgers uh, down in Indianapolis, but I look forward to previewing it with, of course, my co-host, Matt Bells. Matt, how are we doing tonight?
1: Doing great. How are you doing, man?
0: Good, good. I'm excited. I'm ready to uh, get into this game. Obviously, a rematch, something that uh, doesn't happen a whole lot. I was thinking back to the other Big Ten championships, and I think from what I can recall, I think we've only played Michigan State in both the regular season and Big Ten Championship, right? Do you have any idea?
1: Yeah, I I want to say that's correct. Um, okay, that's what I thought. But but, but I'm not totally sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just remember the Russell Wilson season, that one, and the other ones I don't think so. But uh, So it'll be an interesting matchup to, to kind of dive into. But just overall, yeah, as we start to get into this, how, how does it feel just as a fan base and how big is it? for a football program to get back to the big 10 championship. I know the West division is maybe a little looked down upon compared to the East, but Wisconsin has still made this trip six times. And and some of those were when the divisions were, were more balanced and opened up and and had more of these, you know, competitive games. So how good does it feel just as a fan and and for how good is it for a football program to, to get to a conference title game?
1: I think it's huge. I mean, it's it's super exciting that the fact that they got there the way that they did, you know, dismantling Michigan the way that they did earlier in the season to really kind of propel them, get some momentum going, and then to, to take care of Minnesota in Minnesota on game day, to retrieve the ax, kind of do all of that together is just huge and it's cool to see where the program is and for them to be back especially with you know the west you know you had elaborated on it just a bit ago that the west was kind of you know the little brother to the to the east and to a certain extent but you know iowa minnesota wisconsin all ranked on that side of the conference and then you have a team like illinois who you know, stung the Badgers the way that they did, kind of emerging a bit. So it it was cool to see, especially in a way that we didn't necessarily expect the other teams to be up there with Wisconsin uh, the way that they were. You know, I think Iowa was kind of projected to be uh, a a team that could get there, but Minnesota to to really jump out and, and be as good as they were this year helped the conference and ultimately helped Wisconsin in a lot of different ways to be where they are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the West division in general was a lot stronger this year than in years past. And I think that speaks to the conference as a whole, you know, getting better, knowing that they have a level of competition on the other side that they have to meet. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. And, you know, hopefully hopefully the Badgers can at least keep this close with Ohio State. But I fully expect them to, to, to give the Buckeyes a dogfight. I don't think anybody's expecting this, at least a rational fan. I know there's some Ohio State fans that think, well, we've killed them the first time. We're going to go out and kill them again. But I think, and Colton kind of alluded to that in our interview later, that this is going to be a tougher game than what people are expecting, and, and it always comes down to a few key plays in this game, and, and that's what makes this Big Ten championship so much fun. Oh, no doubt. So let's talk about the last time these two teams obviously met. Um, late October, things didn't go well, especially in the second half, but in that first half, it was close. 10 nothing. Badgers came out and scored right away after a three and out in the third quarter where... It was 10-7 with about 10-11 minutes left. I was watching back you know, a good chunk of the game last night. I kind of forgot how close it was late, and I know you can't really rest your hat on that or anything, but outside of Penn State and Michigan really keeping the game close for 10-15 minute spurts, the Badgers have played this Ohio State team pretty well and probably the best that any other team has played them all season, if not equal to. So what did you make of that first game, just given the matchup and the final score that might be a little bit misleading uh, at the end of it?
1: Yeah, I I think that game, especially on the offensive end, wasn't pretty. The Badgers just weren't able to get anything going. And I think a big reason for that was their inability to contain, uh, you know, an amazing in in Chase Young. But I think they're going to be more equipped for that going to be more ready for that this time and i mean that the badgers just weren't able to run a lot of offensive plays because of it weren't able to get jonathan taylor you know the ball nearly as much as they would hope to normally so i i think that's going to be the biggest thing is can this offense actually rebound from the way that they struggled so much the the defense looked so great for that first half and right away when they got that immediate stop they got the the uh blocked punt and everything and were able to kind of put some points on the board, it, it just kind of fell apart from there out. And they were just kind of giving up the big plays over and over again. So I think if they're able to to replicate what they were able to do in that first half to a certain extent for a larger uh, point of this game, it'll, it'll go a long way because like you said, they 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 held their own in that first half. You know, part of that was due to some, some errors by Ohio state, but also by just a great defensive effort by the Badgers to start.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the defense played really well and I think they developed a game plan that should work. And, you know, I think it, it's going to come down to obviously pressure on the defensive side, which has always been a key for Wisconsin, but you saw Wisconsin kind of found some sort of weakness in Ohio state in this last game. And that was on the offensive line and getting pressure. And they had five sacks in that game. And, you know, obviously and I really think they could have had more. You know, Justin Fields' mobility is is a really big strength of his. And he, he escaped the pocket and escaped some sacks a few times where it could have it could have happened to, you know, either way, Um, you know, a little bit more where he could have maybe gotten taken down a few other times. So defensively, I think they have a recipe to try and slow this team down. It's just a matter of making sure to execute and, and play. Really, you can't just play a good – First half, you have to play a full 60 minutes of perfect football against this football team, and that's what makes Ohio State so good. Is that you have to play a full game, and even if you do play a full perfect game, there's a chance you might not come out as a victor on the other side. And I, I, so I, I find it fascinating to see how they'll go ahead and attack this thing uh, from the defensive side again this this time around. But I think, yeah, like you mentioned, offensively, the biggest that's going to be the biggest key is just will this team find you know, a second gear on offense and and be more dynamic and more balanced than they were the first time out. Because really the first time out Jack Cohn didn't get a lot of opportunities to throw. And when they did, it was kind of forced, you know, I know the weather wasn't ideal and that won't be a factor this time around, but really the offense is just going to have to find some balance in this game to, to really execute and be able to hang around against an offense that can put up points in a hurry. If you make mistakes. Let's get into the offensive talk a little bit. What do you? Is there anything specific that you think the Badgers need to do to have more of success that we both kind of talked about this time around?
1: I think that I think they have to establish the running game. Last game, Jonathan Taylor personally only touched the ball 21 times. Over the course of the year, he's been averaging closer to 30. So they need to get him to his touches. You know, obviously he wasn't getting much going on the ground. Only averaged two and a half, two and a half yards per carry, and only. Uh, busted out one 10-plus-yard run. But the way that the offensive line has been looking these past few weeks against some really, really good defensive lines, albeit probably not to the talent level of Ohio State, they've been able to move the ball and and rush the ball uh, really well. So I think they need to establish Jonathan Taylor and also continue to uh, unravel some of those wrinkles that they have, that they've really been practicing to try to make this team Uh, more dynamic in in being able to make bigger plays, more diverse in their play calling. I think if Joe Rudolph can kind of bust out what he did last week against uh, Minnesota, it would go a long way in making sure that, like you said, they're able to be balanced, be able to put Jack Cohn in situations where he can succeed instead of, hey, it's third and 12, drop back and have to make that throw when you have one of the nation's best pass rushes coming at you and one of the nation's best secondaries. to compound that
0: yeah and I think that balance that you've kind of talked about on the offensive side of the football is going to help you know Jack Cohn and the other parts of the team kind of you know get Jonathan Taylor in rhythm if you have balance that you can work off of and they aren't able to put eight guys in the box and focus in on Jonathan Taylor that in turn helps each other out you know it's a cohesive type of offense where if you have some balance if you have another threat like a Quintez Cephas or Danny Davis, or Aaron Cruikshank, who who certainly gotten his touches the last few weeks. That, in turn, yes, it takes away touches from Jonathan Taylor, but it also makes Jonathan Taylor's touches when he gets them have more chances to bust for bigger runs and bust some big plays, because, like you mentioned, the the two yards of carry in that Ohio State game didn't really work well, but he had a couple runs where you saw the hole, and, and obviously the offensive line has gotten better since that point, where hopefully... You know, he can get some more gaps and more running room to to bust some bigger plays. And it'll just be a matter of waiting to see. But I'm really interested to see how the offense comes out and executes. You know, we've talked a little bit about Jonathan Taylor. Last week, it seemed like Jonathan Taylor was used as kind of a decoy. Now, obviously, he got his touches and that opened up later on in the game. But you expect the Badgers to kind of try and use him in that same role, just given the success that he didn't have last time out against the Buckeyes. Or do you expect to maybe even it out and just go back to a ground and pound game that they think might work against this team?
1: I think they're going to have to feel it out early. I, you always, you know, the first, you know, first quarter is really a time for teams to exchange shots, kind of see what the other team is rolling with. But I think Wisconsin should really try to throw some new wrinkles at them, see how they look, how some new looks. Uh, happen when you give Jonathan Taylor the ball uh, in in new and unique situations you know we haven't seen the um, Groshek and Taylor in the backfield nearly as much as we had seen all all uh, fall camp I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them on the field um, a lot together in this one or Aaron Crickshank in the backfield or something like that to kind of throw them off give them a new look, make them go back to the drawing board and try to piece melt something together. While well, Wisconsin is saying, okay, well, we did that. Now let's try this next wrinkle. I think if Wisconsin wants to win this game, they're going to have to try a lot of new things and, and throw the whole kitchen sink at them. It's not something where you can just go back to, Oh, yep, we're going to ground and pound, but instead you need to get Jonathan Taylor his touches, but do it in a creative manner so that he can really expose um, what he can do because, Jack Cohn is going to have to make his passes like he did last week. He's going to have to use the weapon, the weapons around him, like Quintes Cephas, who I think will be probably the most important player on this Badger offense uh, come come Saturday. Other than Jack Cone, um, make sure that they can use those playmakers and allow a guy like Jonathan Taylor to get his touches while also making sure that the other weapons around him are put in a place where they can succeed.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I was writing my keys to victory post today that came out this morning, and I was looking back through the stats of that first game, and Anthony Lottie <laughs> had more touches than the entire receiving core in that game. He had seven punts, Cephas Davis and Taylor, and I think maybe Cruikshank had a catch where, so they only had six receptions that really got anything going in the receiving core. Obviously, some other guys got some touches, but Man oh man, you can't have your punter having more yep. touches of the football than your than your talented receiving core that is deep and strong. It's not like these receivers are are not talented or or they don't have a go to guy. They've got plenty of guys to go to, so I think that balance is gonna be really important. And obviously you talked about Jonathan Taylor and getting you know getting the ball to him in creative ways. That's gonna be crucial. You know, if if there's a time to break out anything that you haven't broken out all season to try and get creative, this is this is the game to do it. You know, you're gonna have you're going to have wrinkles that you've worked on in practice that maybe you haven't put on game tape yet. I think we saw a lot of that last week, but I think we'd both be foolish to think that there isn't more that Joel Rudolph and Paul Christ that have developed and that they're ready to go. And I think in the big games that we've had this season, outside of the first matchup with Ohio state, Paul Christ has been, you know, a coach that has put his pedal to the metal and said, you know what, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to take some shots. We're going to go for it on fourth down. Obviously had a tremendous amount of success on fourth down this season. But I think in this game he's going to continue to do that because we've seen it in Michigan in a crucial time going for it on fourth down. We've seen it in Minnesota going for it on fourth down in crucial times and and busting out some bigger wrinkles. So I'd be, I'm would be i fascinated to see if we get aggressive Paul Christ or if we get conservative Paul Christ like we got in some other games this season. We've seen both sides of it, and I, I'd, I'd be interested to see and, and get your thoughts on where you think he's going to be mindset-wise in this game.
1: I, I actually agree with you on that, that I think he, in the biggest games, when it's mattered most, he has been super aggressive. You know, Michigan, we go back to where it was first first quarter, first drive of the game. He went for it on fourth down in his own territory, you know, and not like, hey, we're near the 50. Like, hey, we're at like our 30-yard line going mm-hmm. for it. And then we saw the same thing up up in Minnesota when they were going for it. Against Iowa. they were aggressive. So I agree with you. I think they're going to be aggressive, and I hope that that results in them taking some downfield shots. We saw what could happen when they did it against Minnesota, and we saw what the Badgers could do even two years ago when they did it against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. We saw some big-time catches by um, Danny Davis on that. We saw some big-time catches by Troy Fumagalli. So putting some of those weapons in positions where they can make plays and give them the opportunity. Ohio State's got big-time talent in the secondary, but that doesn't mean that Danny Davis, in a jump ball situation or a back shoulder situation, can't make the throw, I mean make the catch. Um, he he has definitely got the talent, and so does Jake Ferguson to make the plays, and we all know what uh, Quintez Cephas can do when we try to stretch the field with him.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm really interested to see how that'll play out and really what do you have to lose without, with being aggressive in this game? What do you, that's good. What's the worst that can happen? You're going to get blown out by Ohio state. It's already happened once. So yeah. And everybody's play.
1: picturing that <laughs> to happen anyway. So exactly.
0: Screw it. Exactly. Empty the playbook and, let, and let's see what happens. Let's see if we can make a game of this. Cause I think it'd be really awesome to obviously pull off an upset in this, in this moment and for the senior class to go out with a bang because they've, they've had their shots at Ohio state and, and they've had them on the ropes before. And just, just missed the target in that 2017 game and you know down six with with the ball going down to score and and you know those moments come back to haunt you so to send the senior class out with the big 10 championship game win would be I think super important we've talked about the offense a lot already I mean I think there's that's going to be the most interesting dynamic of this football game but the defense has has had some success against Ohio State but they've also got some challenges two and a half good quarters the first time out but How can you repeat that same effort, knowing Ohio State's going to bring some different stuff and make it translate into four good quarters of football on the defensive side of the ball?
1: Yeah, I I think the big thing is, like you said, the pressure. They got to still get to Justin Fields. They had five sacks last time. Justin Fields has got a bum knee. Uh, I think it was his MCL. Is that right?
0: Sprained MCL. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So he's got a sprained MCL. You know, and you could see that as that game went on against Penn State, he was less and less likely to run. He would push through it, but at the same time, he still looked more hesitant in in his willingness to run with the ball. So I think what they need to do is they need to sell out to stop J.K. Dobbins. That dude was dynamite against them last year or uh earlier this year running for 163 yards and two touchdowns had a couple big ones master teague hit him for some big ones too i think they got to sell out to try to stop that run and and as well as stay back to make sure to keep the receivers in front of you and instead make justin fields beat you with his legs they do a lot of stuff with uh with the zone read. they should be selling out on going towards Dobbins when it's those run situations, make Justin Fields run on that bad knee all game long, because I can tell you as somebody who's played with, with a a bum leg, you know, in a game, the more you have to run, the more you have to get hit on in it, it takes a toll on you and it definitely will take a toll on him in a, in a big game that he's going to be powering through um, as best he can
0: yeah no exactly. I talked about that a little bit in the post I wrote earlier, I think that sprained m c l hasn't been talked about a lot, but it's a big thing and I know you you- you saw him come back in that game last week against Michigan and perform, but the mobility was a little bit down the the but after that game you're the adrenaline wears off, and the injury starts to develop even more. i mean this is the third time. This is the third time that Ohio State has battled through quarterback injuries in this Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. Obviously, it worked out with Cardale Jones in the 59-0, uh, and JT Barrett kind of battled through a similar thing. I can't remember exactly what his injury was, but you saw that in that 2017 game where he wasn't as mobile either. And I have to think, with that bigger brace, trying to move around and scramble and run on des- run designs is really going to hurt uh, his his ability to get loose into the secondary and make quarterback runs. So I totally agree with you. I fully expect the defense to crash in on J.K. Dobbins, knowing they probably don't have to worry as much on fields busting those runs. And then in the same regard, he's going to probably look to stand in the pocket a little bit more and not scramble around because the more you run on that knee, the more pressure you put on that knee, it's going to become a thing. So I, he'll definitely still be effective, but there's no doubt that this – this injury is a storyline and it's going to maybe hamper him as the game goes on. Wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's how it usually works is usually you come out and and you've got all the excitement, everything built up. You probably got some sort of pain reliever going on. And and then as that game wears on, you know, there's only so much you can do to kind of keep it loose, keep it going and, and have that same energy that kind of takes it off of your mind, especially if you're getting hit as much as, um He was hit last time against the Badgers, like Wisconsin hurried him a lot, got obviously the five sacks, but then he also ran the ball thirteen times for uh, i think it was like thirty yards so like it they didn't he didn't kill them on the ground last game, and I think they need to make sure that they don't um put themselves in a situation where they 're worried about his running compared to j k Dobbins because Dobbins is supremely talented when he has the ball in his hands and can can similar to Jonathan Taylor make anything happen at any given time.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, going off of that, obviously the read option is something that Wisconsin has really struggled with because you just have to, you have that brief moment of hesitation where you have to think about what you want to do and where you want to go. If you know that Justin Fields isn't a hundred percent, it gives you such, you know, a, a snap in your head where you can just go and commit to JK Dobbins and let Justin Fields on a, on one leg, essentially try and beat you. So I think that dynamic and how Jim Leonard plays that with his guys is going to be really interesting to see as this game wears on. And I know Ryan Day is obviously going to call plays to try and keep him from taking too many chances with that knee. But it'll be interesting and something to keep an eye on as the game goes on with that brace. And, you know, everybody said he's fully ready. He's good to go. But he, he acknowledged it in his press conference that it's going to be it's going to be painful for him and it's going to maybe limit his mobility. So. You never want to see a guy hurt, obviously, and you want to beat a team at 100%, but it, it definitely plays into the Badgers' defensive hand. So I think that kind of answers the second question that I have down written for defense. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins is the biggest threat and the biggest worry in this game, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially the way that they've been using him these these last two games. You know, against Penn State, he had 36 carries. Michigan 31 carries, so it's like they're they're really leaning on him with with, uh, with uh, their quarterback Justin Fields kind of being hurt. We've also uh, haven't seen nearly as much as Ma- of Master Teague these in the middle of the season and early in the season. He got a lot of carries and I got a lot of run. These past two games, he really hasn't seen nearly as many carries uh, because they're really turning to J.K. Dobbins and letting him be the focal point of their offense. Um, And I think if they can slow him down and make Ohio State drop back and have to beat them throwing the ball similar to what the Badgers did against Minnesota, it'll go a long way in helping a defense that's going to be having a hard time putting on up with the athletes that Ohio State has because boy, do they have some.
0: Yeah, they do. I know, I know obviously Tyler Johnson and uh, Rashad Bateman are probably more well-known at the receiving positions, but Chris Olave and some of those other guys that they have on that receiving core are just as talented and, you know, just not as well-known. They haven't had as big of seasons, but they've had really effective seasons in the system that they're in. So it's going to take a lot to, you know, obviously prepare for this offense. And obviously J.K. Dobbins is going to be your your main key and your main focus, but there's other playmakers on this team they're going to have to pay attention to. And yeah, all 11 players on every play are gonna have to know what they're doing because you make a mistake against this team, they'll find it and they'll expose it and they can take it, you know, bust a playoff for seven points pretty easily. And then if if you can't answer uh, against a defense that's been tops in the nation, that's when they really start to, you know, coil. Uh, it's kind of like a snake where they get around you, they coil, yeah, coil, yeah, and next thing you know, they strike and boom, you're dead. And and that's I think a really good analogy for this. Ohio state football team is that's just kind of the style they play where one misstep or one mistake you're, you know, you got your backs against the wall struggling to survive. So it'll be really interesting to see how this team battles and, and, you know, keeps going with Ohio state in this one to try and keep pace. Ultimately this game is probably going to come down to, I know we said this in the first time, it's going to probably come down to a few plays. I don't expect this to be 38 to seven the way it was last time. So what is kind of the your main focus and what this game might come down to
1: I think it's harkening back to what we had said. I think it's stopping the run, making sure that j k Dobbins isn't the guy to kill you because he is so good with the ball in his hands, and then also on on the offensive side of the ball, being able to run the ball, making sure that your fr- your front uh front line can really push push ahead, make some polls for Jonathan Taylor to have some su- success in the run game and use creativity to allow Jack Cohn to be able to make the plays necessary to move the ball down the field. I think the Badger defensive line played exceptionally well last, last week against Minnesota. You know, we saw some guys really just hold their own in, in the trenches. They're going to have to do that again uh, against Probably a similar offensive line in terms of makeup, not quite as big, but having their own difficulties at times with stopping mm-hmm. uh, pass rushes. So I think I think the big thing is can we stop? Can the Badgers stop the run? And can they also, on their own right, be able to run the ball using creativity uh, and kind of throw in the whole kitchen sink, like we said?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Getting you know, that's going to come down to a few plays where the Badgers either need to convert a crucial third down or or need to get off the field on a third down or make a play force a turnover or make a play in specialty it's going to come down to a few plays like that give or take you know on either side to probably win this football game i i fully expect it to be more like the 2017 game uh rather than the 59 nothing 2014 blowout i don't expect that to happen again i i think that's gonna be a, a a tight fought battle so i'm interested to see how the badgers can can finally maybe get over that hump and make those plays to, to make it a close game overall.
1: Um, Yeah. And, and stay out of turnover trouble. Yeah. The Badgers, the Badgers had those two big fumbles uh, against Ohio state that were huge and really just swung, especially in that second half. I think, you know, if they can hold onto the ball and they've got to be able to take, get a couple takeaways on Ohio state, you know, Ohio state is definitely not a team that does it a lot, but they, they got to be able to do it. I think, uh, how many interceptions does uh, Fields have this year? Is it like one or two? Yeah, not a
0: lot. I was looking through his stats earlier today, and I didn't see anything that popped out.
1: I, th- I think it's, I think he's thrown two interceptions to like 36 touchdowns. So they got to get to him, and they got to be able to make some turnovers because that's the type of thing that will swing momentum in major ways, and it can't be Wisconsin putting the ground ball on the turf because otherwise it just becomes a, comes a runaway session for Ohio State.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mistakes in this game are you got to be got to be limited. You can't turn the ball over the way the Badgers have the last few weeks. I know last week was fairly clean against Minnesota, but before that, it's been something that kind of kind of came back and and bit the Badgers. So can't have that against a team like this because they just they'll make you pay for it. And one last thing to the uh, coaching staff, let's not try and block Chase Young. 1v1 anymore let's let's make sure that that guy let's make sure that guy is accounted for with one or two people each time out because i don't think he can embarrass you the way he did last time i think they've got a hopefully better grasp of how talented he is and how big of a game wrecker he can be so i don't expect that to be the case i expect them to try and neutralize him with two or three guys but of course that changes your offense a little bit too when you've got to pay extra attention to one guy so that's that's just my plea to Coach Rudolph and Coach Chris, don't let don't let Chase please, Young just, just blow this game around.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's basically what happened last time. Yeah, it was it, it was bad.
0: Yeah, he had a he had a not a coming out party because he's been well known for the last two seasons, but on their biggest stage of the season, he showed out in their, in that first game. So let's not let that happen again. Um, all right. Well, that gets us to our score prediction, Matt. Where are you thinking for this game? Is it more like 2014 or more like 2017 or do the Badgers, you know, pull off a miracle here?
1: I think the Badgers definitely have a lot better chance in this game than they did when they were in Columbus. Like, make no mistake about it. Weather notwithstanding, I think they have a much better chance. I still expect Ohio State to win this one. I think the Badgers can keep it close for a while. Um, I actually think the Badger defense will play better in this one. Um, God forbid if they're give up 59 to nothing again or something crazy, then I'll eat crow. But, uh, for right now, I'm going to predict that the Badgers lose, uh, 20 to 30.
0: All righty. That's kind of what I had. I had 34, 24 that I think Ohio state's going to, you know, pull away from them or, or maybe make a couple plays. So a 10 point margin in the thirties and twenties, it sounds like we're both kind of on the same page. And I think that's probably a fair assessment where, you know both of us it could be a three three point game late and and it's going to come down to probably the badgers making a play that's either going to be you know in their favor or you know a seven point swing the other way is that kind of what you're thinking too
1: yeah I think I think the badgers will hang around in this one uh, especially in the first half like we saw um, and in the early part of the third quarter from there it's anybody's bet you know it's just when everybody's felt each other out they've exchanged body blows you know can Wisconsin get their ground game going and you know and be able to punch things in or is it instead Ohio State who who kind of starts getting their rhythm and pulls away on their own end
0: yep I totally agree it's going to come down to you know a few plays here or there that make a big difference and then it's just you know battling through those plays and and battling through the ebbs and flows of a football game it's going to be really interesting to watch Well, win or lose, obviously, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what you thought for a bowl. And then you mentioned we should just kind of go over the overall parameters for this game. So if the Badgers were to win, I think unless there was some serious chaos, I I don't think they have any shot at a playoff. I know there's some fans are optimistic. I I don't think that's the case. But if they were to win, I think a Rose Bowl bid is obviously, you know, that would be guaranteed because they were Big Ten champion. But if they were to lose, what are you thinking for a bowl in the rankings and all that? Let's just kind of talk through that process uh for the Rose Bowl committee and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Did you see that uh in the when they dropped the playoffs that they had put Wisconsin as like a five or eight percent chance to make the playoff?
0: Yeah, I did find that kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, obviously that's like chaos. That's Utah loses Baylor wins in a close one. And what was the other one that Georgia, Georgia yeah. loses? Like, it's basically yeah. just like, Hey, everybody that the Badgers need to lose loses and the Badgers win convincingly. Don't see that happening. But you, like I said, 5% seems um, actually high. Um, <laughs> but in terms of what I expect for the Badgers, I, I think, the Rose bowl is still there. If, if I think if the Badgers only lose by 10, I think they're in the Rose bowl. I think that's, that's, that's my thing. You know, like I think if it gets to 20 plus point loss, like if they, if uh, Ohio state covers against the Badgers, I think, I think it might be citrus bowl. Although I'm hearing, you know, that there's probably the, they've made up their mind that they want Michigan. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, I I saw something about that, that they were hoping to get Michigan instead of uh, Wisconsin or Penn State, which I found interesting. But I guess they are a big brand that would, you know, bowl teams or bowl committees would like a team like that.
1: Yeah, I I saw that they were wanting them versus Alabama in the Citrus Bowl, which obviously would be a big matchup and get a bunch of TV lights. But at the same time, um, I don't know where exactly the Badgers would fall if they didn't get the Citrus Bowl. Um, If if they got screwed over from the Rose Bowl – and the citrus bowl um you know it's it's anybody's guess at that point you know like i saw things from like the gator bowl i saw things for um the outback bowl so I, what do you what do you think
0: yeah you know it's going to be interesting i i kind of agree with you that i think that if the badgers keep it close they'll be in the rose bowl and ultimately i think you know from my understanding at least it comes down to it doesn't necessarily l- rely only on the rankings. It comes down to more of the Rose Bowl committee, and they kind of have final say on who they want. Now, obviously, Penn State travels pretty well, but I would think that's probably a wash with Wisconsin. And then, of course, you have you know a guy like Jonathan Taylor that maybe you want to see him in a Rose Bowl. So I don't think, you know, I know a lot of fans think that it comes down to just the rankings, but I think, at least from my understanding, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it comes down to, The Rose Bowl sitting down and and the people on their panel and deciding who they want as long as it's, you know, within a cluster. I kept seeing things about as long as the Badgers are within a spot or two of Penn State that they could still go about that, which I was kind of surprised. I thought it was only down to the rankings.
1: Yeah, no, and I think most bowls are like that, where they're kind Mm -hmm. of picking and choosing based off of matchups, based off of, and I know a lot of it has to do with the tie-ins and who's been there recently. Um, So I know, I think it's a five-year window, usually, that if you've been within that five-year window, they do their best to try to make it so that you're not coming back again right away. Um, You know, the Rose Bowl might be a little different just because it's more prestigious. But, I mean, Penn State was just there in 2017 when they lost to USC, so it's not like they haven't been there. Wisconsin had been there for so long uh, at at the tail end of the Brett Bielema years, uh, and obviously the decade before that with Barry. So I I think the Badgers have a really good chance. I would think the Rose Bowl would be interested in Wisconsin, um, but I also could see their uh, eyes on uh, the Nittany Lions as well. So... I think the Rose Bowl is still what I think the Badgers end up ultimately um, based off of the projections. Um, but at the same time, you never know because I wouldn't want to see them fall past the Citrus Bowl, though, especially for how good their season has been.
0: No, I totally agree. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think Badger fans would be happy with either one. But obviously, Rose Bowl is hopefully on the forefront of everyone's minds. If it were to fall, if it were to fall to the Citrus Bowl, I really don't want to play Auburn. Not that I think that the Badgers would. Have a touch. I just, I feel like we've played Auburn so many times over the last decade in bowl games. Am I crazy or, or am I right there?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely in in terms of back in the day when they had like Cadillac Williams yeah, and the Badgers took like care that. of them. But I I don't know who's going to be anything different, you know, like outside mm. of who they've already played because at least it won't be Miami. We know All that right. for for a fact. <laughs> we don't have That's to worry true. about them. Um, but I would like to see Miami and Illinois play. I think that would actually be a a fun game to watch. Yeah, you know, a couple be. middling teams um be able to duke it out. But I th- I think I think Auburn would be fine. I think. I've also seen different things. There's also still a slight chance that the Badgers could go to the Orange Bowl once again, or that Penn State would instead go to the Orange Bowl uh, if if they are ahead of Alabama or Florida. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see that, or ahead of Georgia if they slip uh, down the rankings quite a bit, which I don't see happening too much. So I we'll see. I think it's a it's a huge mixed bag at this point, but in, until things change, I, I'm still gonna gun to my head, go with the Badgers end up in Pasadena.
0: That would be awesome because I told myself years ago that the next time Wisconsin made it to a Rose Bowl that I'd be buying a ticket. I put in, we have the season tickets, you know, so you can put in for, you know, the reserve. I put in for two. So if they get there, I'm I'm booking my ticket to Cali. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> it It, it is awesome. I can tell you that. I went with my, my brother uh, when they played uh, Stanford the most recent time, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously they fell, but it was – it was awesome, and the the ambiance of the Rose Bowl is very cool and uh, good good tailgating before it, and a good time. So I highly recommend it, and I hope that the Badgers do it again. So I have that as a just as a possibility to even go.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our uh, portion of the preview for the Big Ten Championship game. Obviously, in case anybody doesn't know, obviously Wisconsin, Ohio State in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, starting at six is it 6 p.m. Central?
1: Cause... Uh, so coverage starts at 6 6 p.m. Central. The actual game itself starts at 7. The only reason I know that is because I'm, uh, I'm going to be at uh, the Kohl Center covering the Badger Indiana game, and I'm going to be uh, flying out of there as soon as Greg Gard drops the mic so I can <laughs> get ready to watch that one.
0: There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's important to pay attention to, because I was getting all confused because I'm I'm driving down to Indy. We're going to go – we're going to the game, and I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot we have that Eastern-Central time zone difference. So that's going to be something they got to pay attention to. But obviously, guys, like like I said, that wraps up our Big Ten preview. We'll now have Colton Denning of Land Grant Holy Land on. He came on the show back in late October the first time, and he has some great insight in Ohio State. I think he's a really – Uh, knows what he's talking about, about this Buckeyes team. So make sure to stick around for that. We're going to kick it to a couple quick ad reads before we get into that interview. And then we'll see you guys back here on Tuesday for the Big Ten Championship recap. We'll maybe go through, obviously, some basketball stuff because we haven't talked basketball in a while. And then, of course, we'll dive into the Badgers Bowl matchup because that will be announced on Sunday morning. So thank you guys for listening. Okay, stick around after these ads and get into our interview with Colton. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on Colton Denning of Land Grant Holy Land SB Nation's Ohio State Buckeyes site that name might sound familiar because Colton was on earlier in the season uh, to talk the Buckeyes when obviously the doors got blown off for the Badgers uh, in Columbus a 38-7 loss for the Badgers coming a week after that Illinois loss but thankfully Wisconsin has bounced back from those two games and ran the table and got to the Big Ten championship game to get another crack at the Buckeyes and, you know some rankings have them as the top team in the nation I certainly think from my perspective that they're the best team in college football so we'll uh, get into them a little bit more in this uh, episode. Colton, how are we doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on again, Tyler. I guess since this is my second time, I must not have said anything too stupid the first time. So I'm always glad to be back and, and talk about another Ohio State-Wisconsin Big Ten Championship. Absolutely. Well, we're happy to have you. It's always good to get a good perspective from the Ohio
0: State land, and your guys' site is is always a good one to read and listen up. So make sure you guys check out their podcast, and of course, uh, go read on some stuff on their website because they put out a lot of ton of great Buckeye stuff, not only football, obviously the basketball team's doing really well for Ohio state. So if you're looking for some perspective for them, make sure to check them out. But Colton, like he's mentioned, you know, you're a recurring guest, one of our only recurring guests so far, because it's the first time we've had uh, at the same team twice in a season since I've taken the podcast over. So what were kind of your initial thought on the game? You know, when these two teams first met uh, back in, was that October
2: yeah, late October, I think the, the 26th. I, I just went back and watched it like 20, 25 minutes ago. And I honestly forgot that it was a 10-7 game in the third quarter. That like the final score, I, I think was probably indicative of what that game was, 38-7. to I think that Ohio State really leaned on Wisconsin in the second half. But I had totally forgot that there was that touchdown uh, past to Quint Cephas, I believe. And it, it was a 10-7 game with like 12 minutes left in the third quarter in that I think Wisconsin had like three or four sacks in the first half I mean they were really getting after Justin Fields so if you just like any outsider who isn't a Big Ten fan or Wisconsin or Ohio State fan could look at that and say oh well Ohio State already blew the door off these guys once they're gonna do it again and I don't necessarily think that that's the case when you go back and watch that first game, because it's not like Wisconsin just got run over. I mean, they, they definitely held it down. So I, I'm really the, the biggest thing that I'm interested in about this game is what sort of adjustments that each team makes now that you, you know, you finally had that, that first matchup and you don't play each other Every single year. And I think for Wisconsin, the first adjustment is probably, okay. let's let's double team Chase Young. That's first and foremost. That's probably what they're going to (laughs) do.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. I I think back to that game and just I remember on a a critical third down where we had Jake Ferguson, who isn't a known pass blocker, one on one with Chase Young. And I said, this is going to be a disaster. And sure enough, next play. Uh, sack that really iced away Wisconsin's any hopes of a comeback at that point but yeah as you mentioned I mean it's not something that Wisconsin fans can hang their hat on just given that you only played a team tight for two quarters but at the same time Ohio State's pretty much blown every team out that they've played so to put together two and two and a quarter good quarters against a team like that is is probably better than what most teams have done outside of Really, Penn State's been the only team that's that's kept it close for that long, right?
2: Yeah, and I I think um, you know you can throw Michigan in there too Mm. because I I think for the first half, Michigan probably didn't outplay them, but they played them pretty well, about as well as you can hope for. And then they made a couple of mistakes, and and the game got away from them. And I think that that's hasn't really been a trend for Ohio State this year because nobody outside of those three games has really played them close, but it just goes to show that the margin for error I think against Ohio State this Ohio State team is so small especially when you get to those moments in the third quarter that it's like where it's make or break if you're if you're the one making the mistake this team is going to take advantage of it and they're going to punish you and and you know you may have like Wisconsin had where it's 10-7 in the third and then you look up and 15 minutes later it's like how is this 38 to 7 what what happened here I mean they will pounce and they'll pounce quick
0: yeah yeah it can get it can get ugly in a blink of an eye with a team like this I mean that's what I had a radio spot earlier and that's what I that's kind of what I alluded to too is that you're going to have to play 60 minutes of perfect football and even if you do that you still may lose this football game just simply because this team is that talented but given going back to the last time they met you know obviously Ohio State Looked incredibly strong. You, you, there was nothing that I saw where I was like, oh, you know, that's a, that's a spot where Ohio State is weak. They looked incredibly strong. But it seems like they've gotten, at least from my perspective, <laughs> even better, as scary as it sounds. So where is this team since the last time these two faced? And what have you seen from them? Have they gotten better or have they taken a step back? Or, or what's your perspective uh, since late October?
2: I think the best way to put it is that they're more battle-tested because you look at that Wisconsin game and that was October 26th. The next week after that, they were on a bye week and then they played Maryland and Rutgers. So they had this like three week stretch where obviously as a football team, you're not going to look at any team and say, okay, we're going to blow the doors off these guys. It's basically a bye week. But looking at it, it's like you got the bye, you got Maryland, you got Rutgers. You basically have a month where you're just kind of waiting for those Penn State and Michigan games. And for a lot of teams in college football... We've seen that you know any anything can happen. You guys know playing Illinois, anything can happen. Ohio State knows playing Purdue and getting the breaks beat off of them last year in the Iowa game a couple of years ago. And so they went into that Penn State game where it was like, ah, you know, we we beat Wisconsin and we beat them pretty good, but you know what what else? Where have we been tested this year? Have we really played a, a close game? And in the Penn State game, they they made a couple of mistakes and had to fight back from it. And in the Michigan game, too, it was close for a little bit. It it felt like, okay, Michigan has some juice. They're going to be able to do something. We, We really got to start making moves here because we're on the road. And to me, I think they probably have gotten better, and that's mostly because, okay, they can finally say, we've been in two close games. We know how we're going to react. We kind of know what Ryan Day is going to do in those situations because really for the first you know, whatever, 10 weeks, he didn't have to deal with any of that. So I think that's the most important thing for this team going into this big 10 title game. And if they win going into the playoff is okay. We're we're not just beating everybody every single week and, and resting the starters in the fourth quarter. We, we know not everything is going to be close against high level teams. So we got to get that experience. And I think Ryan, Ryan day even said that either uh, it was right before the Michigan game about Penn state, like, Ah, everything was just kind of too easy for us. And we we really needed that. And I think football teams do need that at times. So I think that's where this team has probably gotten better situationally. They have experience uh, playing those type of games now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, that's what Paul Chris kind of talked about, too. He said that just from his his perspective that he thought that this team looked better kind of because they've gotten to play some tough games. He thought from the Wisconsin side that they've gotten better, but he really said that the challenge is going to be even bigger, just given where this football team is at, you know, since they've met in both October. So I think it'll be a really interesting matchup from that perspective, just seeing how big important these games are down the stretch here. And of course, in a Big Ten championship, you can't get much bigger than that. You've talked about it a little bit, you know, we mentioned it earlier that obviously these two teams are going t- going at it for a second time, and that doesn't happen a lot. I don't believe, I guess I probably should have looked, but I don't believe the last two times that Wisconsin-Ohio State met in the Big Ten Championship that they played in the regular season. I know Wisconsin fans, we had a season where we lost to Michigan State in the regular season and then came back and won the Big Ten Championship. But how do you game plan, and, and from Ohio State perspective, how do you get ready for a Badgers team you know, that might be different and changed, and how do you get ready for them a second time around?
2: Uh, this Wisconsin team, I think, is, is tough because, and, and I may just be speaking out of turn here, it seems like Wisconsin, and not in a bad way, is set in what they do. They're very sound in what they do, especially on, on the defensive side of the ball, so I think If you're just looking at it from like, okay, what's Ohio State's offense going to do differently against the Wisconsin defense? I think if this were like last year and this were an Urban Meyer team going into this situation, I would be really concerned that like how are they going to adjust in this game? But Ryan Day has shown not only week by week, but in game that he's able to adjust. He's able to this Ohio State team doesn't just win One way they're they're able to throw the ball, they're able to run the ball. So I I think that I I don't know in terms of like specific adjustments with what they'll do. I think that'll just depend on, you know, how the first couple of series shake out for both teams on each side of the ball. But I can say that I'm definitely more comfortable with this team adjusting in game than I have been with previous Ohio State teams, because I I don't think that this one's going to quite play out the same way as the first game did. If I remember right, the the conditions were really bad in that game last month, and it just seemed like it it got off to a weird start, and I I think this one will be more like what we've seen in the two prior Big Ten championship games between these teams where, whether it's Ohio State or Wisconsin, there's going to be a fast start, and the tone of this game is going to be set pretty quick.
0: Interesting that you say that because I think a lot of Ohio State fans, you know, just from what I've been seeing on Twitter, they kind of said that too, where they felt more comfortable with this team, a Ryan Day-led team coming into it, than an Urban Meyer-led team, because I know, you know, I don't think over Urban Meyer ever overlooked teams but it always seemed like you know ryan day so far from at least from our outsider perspective has had this team more focused on every opponent no matter what they're not gonna get caught up in the moment and and lay down or or come out flat it it seems like this buckeye team just starts incredibly fast and incredibly strong no matter the opponent at least that's what i've
2: gotten that and um this isn't the best phrase for it but this team coaches like bullies, the coaches uh, the offensive coaches on this team in Ryan Day, they coach like bullies in the sense that they're gonna find where you're the weakest, and they're just gonna pick that apart until you stop it, where yeah, previous Ohio State teams would do that, but with Meyer, it was more so okay we're we're a power run team that's what mm-hmm. we're gonna do we're going to beat you with what our identity is. And with Ryan Day, it's shifted more to, okay, where are these guys' weakness? Because we have Justin Fields who can throw. We have a pretty good offensive line who can run block and pass block. We have one of the best running backs in the country. And we have a deep stable of receivers. Let's not just try to win this the way we game-planned it. Let's win it how the game is playing out, and let's attack where Wisconsin or whoever we're playing looks the weakest.
0: Yeah. And that's obviously, makes you a much more dynamic football team. And, you know, you said, you mentioned Wisconsin, you know, playing, they're stuck in their ways. And I think that's, that's definitely what's benefited the Badgers getting to that team because they don't have the high level talent and high level recruited you know, at every position. So they have to do that. But at the same time, you know, sometimes that can come back to bite you. You know, Wisconsin fans on both the football and basketball side know what it's like to be stuck in their ways, and it works for the football team, and the basketball team is a little, you know, struggling with that right now. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting and fascinating way to, to go about a game just knowing that Wisconsin has their identity, and, you know, Ohio State says, you know, we've got multiple identities and multiple ways to do this, or we're just going to come out and see what happens and, and go from there. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that whole – Game planning shakes out on Saturday night. Obviously, the other big storyline for Wisconsin is specifically Jonathan Taylor. He's been the star for the last three seasons, but every time he's taken on Ohio State, he's been pretty much shut down. How do you think that Ohio State has, has been able to do that? And, you know, just what has given Ohio State such success against a dynamic running back that really outside of them and, you know, a couple
2: games against Northwestern hasn't been shut down the way, you know, Ohio State has shut him down? I think the main reason, or there's a couple reasons, but the main reason is probably just that this particular Ohio State defense, and I guess they they did it, uh, what, in the the Big Ten championship game a couple years ago, too, was that they have just sold out to stop the run. And they've basically told Wisconsin, hey, if you can beat us over the top, if your guys outside can win those matchups, then good for you. We'll we'll live that way. And the the other reason, too, I think is Wisconsin obviously has such a, such a great offensive line and that's really the staple of what they do. And you're able to have success pounding up the middle against teams like a, a Minnesota or a Nebraska, Ma- not mainly because the defensive lines are small and, you know, they don't have a lot of talent, but this Ohio state line is not only big, but they're fast. And and that's a tough matchup that at the very least will be 50, 50 and Wisconsin. Can't just, Push them around. And, and I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans and even writers say stuff like, oh, well, they're playing Jonathan Taylor again. We know he can't do anything against Ohio State. And I, I don't think it's it's his fault at all because he's he's done his best. You go back and watch. It's not like Jonathan Taylor has has played awful. He hasn't had a ton to work with. And so when you can't run inside, you're going to try to run outside against this team. And you're not going to get outside. You're going to be able to do that against some of the other big 10 teams because they don't have the speed outside, but whether it's linebacker or safety or corner, Ohio state has the speed to get out there. And if your receivers aren't blocking, you're going to have two or three Ohio state defenders outside trying to get after your running back. And as talented as Jonathan Taylor is, that's just not an advantageous position to be in. So I think that's, that's probably the main reason why they've been able to slow him down But even in in the two games he's played against them, I I can't go into this one thinking like, oh, they've done it in the two games. They're going to do it again. He's he's too good for that. And this Wisconsin run game is too good to just automatically assume, hey, we've shut them down. We're going to do it again.
0: Yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, obviously, the run game is probably finding its stride at at a good time. It it wasn't so much this last week. Jonathan Taylor was kind of more of a decoy. Uh, in the offense knowing that teams were going to key on them and I think they're probably going to look to do a little bit of that same thing just to give them some more balance and open up some holes so it'd be fascinating to see how how Wisconsin goes about using Taylor knowing that he hasn't had a lot of a lot of success against Ohio State and obviously the star on the defensive side is Chase Young I mean I, I can't think of a game that was more dominating just to watch And just, you know, my jaw was just on the floor, just watching him make plays against Wisconsin time and time again. And, and you, you almost saw it, you know, we talked a little bit about it already with Jake Ferguson and blocking him one-on-one, but you saw Chase Young's just pre, pre-snap. You knew what was going to happen just with him and his ability to get to the quarterback and also shut down the run games. So is there, any real way that Wisconsin can hope to slow him down or is it just more so he's going to make some plays you just can't let him make too many
2: I think it's a little bit of both because he's way too talented to be shut out and if if you look back at the Michigan game I, I saw a bunch of people saying "Oh well Michigan did a great job on him they completely shut him out I think he only had one tackler he may have not even had a tackle against Michigan but when you go back and watch he was getting held a lot in the first half. But even when he wasn't, the fact that you have to sell out with two guys every single play just for one dude affects your offense and what it can do so much. So, I, you know, we talked about Ohio State and selling out against the run. I think for Wisconsin or really any team, you have to just say we have to have two guys on him because we can't let him make the one play because the one play might be the play that – Ohio State has a seven-point lead or a 10-point lead. Then Chase Young gets a strip sack. And then first play, Justin Fields goes deep to Chris Olave. Now it's a 17-point deficit. So I I think you have to just let anyone else but Chase Young beat you. And that's the best strategy because if you look on the outside, on the other side for Ohio State, there's a trio of uh, Tyler Friday, Tyreek Smith, and Zach Harrison, three younger players. They haven't necessarily – gotten consistent pressure to the quarterback so I think that's where you just say hey let's let's play that one-on-one if those guys beat us we'll live with that but we're not letting Chase Young do it
0: yeah I th- I think that's got to be the recipe for yeah, obviously this offense and Joe Rudolph and Paul Chris to you just I think simply because they've seen what he can do to their game plan if they don't focus on him and it, it came back to bite him in that game and he's just so dynamic that if you allow him to, to run loose and, and, and be in one-on-one and not pay special attention to him on every single play, you know, he can really wreck a game for you. And like you said, it, it can get away from you fast if you allow him to make plays and force turnovers. So it'll be interesting to see how the Badgers plan to attack him because that's at least, if I was the head coach of Wisconsin, that's what I would be doing. I'd be selling out and saying, you know what, Chase Young's going to make a few plays, but we are, we're we're going to pay 110% of our attention to him and, and, and see what happens. On the other side of the football, obviously, the the attention has been some Justin Fields, but it's really been, I think, the the star has been J.K. Dobbins. Really, what makes that combo so special, and where do you think he's improved from not only just this entire season, but really the last few weeks, he seems to be running with a guy uh, with his hair on fire?
2: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for J.K. this year is, and he, he said this coming into the year, was that last year, He was so focused on trying to hit home runs that everything about him as a freshman that made him special, the elusiveness, the patience, his ability to have burst in short areas, that was just kind of missing. And he didn't look like the same player at all in 2018 the way he did as a freshman. And now this season, you know, he's already over 1,657 yards. He's almost at 20 rushing touchdowns for the year. I think what makes him stand out this year is he's just been so patient. And Ohio State's line has been much better, and that that plays a big role into it. But he, I think he lost a little bit of weight. It seems like he's a little bit stronger. He is elusive as he was uh, his freshman season, and his power has taken an increase as well. If you go back and watch the Wisconsin game, there was a play I think in the, the third quarter where he met Chris Orr one-on-one in the hole, and he just kind of stiff-armed him right in the face and threw him to the ground. And as you guys know, not many, if any, running backs or anyone mm-hmm. does that to a guy like Chris Orr, who's that good. And that's really taken this offense to the next level, because as much as Ryan Day and, and his staff get labeled from last year with Dwayne Haskins as, oh, these guys want to want to throw the ball. They want to air it out. Ohio State's, I think, fourth in the country in just total rushing yards behind uh navy air force and army and that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty good company to keep up and a lot of that is due to the offensive line but a lot of that is due to how dobbins has switched up and something i said on our podcast after the michigan game is the benefit of playing in all those blowout games early in the season is they didn't really tax dobbins at all There, there wasn't any game uh before penn state where he had more than 24 carries they got him out I think coming into the Penn State game, he had only had 17 carries in the fourth quarter all season. And in the last two weeks, had 36 carries against Penn State, 31 against Michigan. So for this stretch run, he's rested and ready to go. And he he looks like it. Like you said, he's playing like his hair's on fire. And it's because he's fresh. He's ready to go. and, And these are the type of games where you need him to have 25 to 30 carries. And so I think that's why he's looked so good the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, then that's important to note because obviously late
0: in the season, guys are tired, guys are banged up, obviously at the running back position more so than any. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out and if he's that fresh, how, you know, just how strong he can be against this Wisconsin defense that started to get better. I think they had their best week last week, but up until then they were getting gassed by some big runs, of course, in that Ohio State game. And then even Nebraska and Purdue had a few big runs on that read option, you know, style of play. That teams like to go off of so it'll be interesting to see how he how he fares against the Wisconsin's front seven who's who's had a little bit of a hiccup these last few weeks obviously we've talked Dobbins we've talked uh Chase Young the stars of, of Ohio State but really this Ohio State team as a whole could be I think if if they do what they're expected to do and get to the playoff and do what I think they can do this could be an all-time great team but if there's any weakness, <laughs> if you can find one, where is it? What, is there anything that concerns you with this team right now?
2: Yeah, I keep seeing analysts, and Joel Klatt has been doing this a lot, and some ESPN analysts, when they talk about Ohio State, saying, oh, I don't see any weakness in this team. And I, I think that that's just plain wrong in, in watching them. And it was something we talked about on the, on the first episode, was their linebacker play. The middle of the field for them, their linebacker play is is rough. And that may that may just be me seeing like an otherwise awesome all time team, like you said. And this is the one thing. So like the the bad things get magnified. So it's not like they're terrible. But in situations like this, teams are going to exploit that. And Michigan really did a good job of that last week, whether it was with motions or just using tight ends, whatever it may be, getting their guys in the middle of the field. Exploiting what Ohio State's linebackers' weaknesses are in coverage. Tough Borland, uh, Pete Warner, even the safety play was a little bit spotty last week. And Sean Wade, their nickel corner slash safety slash just do it all guy, was out. I would expect him to play this week, so that'll be a help for them. But middle of the field, using Quintess Cephas, using the tight ends, maybe even getting Jonathan Taylor involved in the screen game, I, I think that that's my biggest worry with this defense and just knowing how good Wisconsin is and, and how well coached they are. I would be super shocked if they don't have at least some success being able to attack the middle of the field against Ohio state.
0: Well, that's important to note because obviously Wisconsin this past week, they, they had everything that you mentioned kind of click. I think play calling, you know, from our perspective on the offensive side, this past week against Minnesota was the best, just pure play calling game and execution game with the screens and, and with the dynamic stuff and getting other stuff involved. So that'll be important to know it as, I mean, you're going to have to do it. You can't be one dimensional against a team like this and a defense like this. So how Wisconsin distributes the football, to the other players and in other areas is going to be important. So that, that's a good point to note. The other thing I was going to ask you about uh, Justin Fields, what's the, any injury update on him? I know we left the game, He came back in, he looked fine, but I just know, is there any update on uh, his knee or ankle that was kind of bothering him?
2: Yeah, he spoke to the media today and just said that it it hurts, but he's going to wear a bigger brace uh, than he did. I think he had been wearing the small brace early on against Michigan, and that was an injury that happened uh, on their last offensive play against Penn State, and he sprained his MCL. Mm And so he opted to wear the smaller brace on his knee and then he got hurt and it, like, it looked like he tore his ACL, but he just, he re sprained, I guess that MCL and came back with the bigger brace. And it sounds like it's just a, a managing of the pain thing, but he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out and play. We're just going to manage it this week and, and try to work on it. But it seems like he's good to go. Okay. That's good. To or know. He, he's yeah. definitely, he's definitely good to go. Let definitely. You, yeah. Definitely that. go on. Yeah. Yep. he He will yep. play. He's, he's, good to go he's gonna do it it's just it's it's definitely a thing though
0: yeah sure and that that kind of brings me back to the game a couple years ago with JT Barrett who was a little bummed out before the game and and still came out and performed well and but it's certainly something that everybody will be paying attention to not only for for this game but Ohio State's hope down the run because you know when he went down like you said it looked really bad I kind of held my breath and it was not held my breath and joy, but held my breath. In like, Oh no, that's cause you never want to see star players like that go down when, when they've had such a special season. So I f- was feeling terrible for him, but I was glad to see him come back in. And you know, you always, if you're going to, if you're Wisconsin and you're going to upset a team, you want to upset them at a hundred percent. So we, we want to see him out there, obviously.
2: Can Ohio state, we're 3 for 3 now on injured quarterbacks with knees <laughs> heading heading into Big 10 title games with Wisconsin. I guess it's just like it's a thing now.
0: Yeah, it's it's just I mean, three is a trend. Usually whatever the game plan is with a bum knee, it's it's worked out in Ohio State's benefits. So, we'll have to see if that trend continues this week. <laughs> That's uh, all the questions I've got down. So, let just give me your your final,
2: you know, prediction for this game. Gosh, I I think that like I said earlier, I think it's going to be a little bit different just than the, the earlier game this season, just due to the fact that you're playing in a controlled environment. It's inside, the weather's not going to be much of a factor. I think both teams will benefit from that. And you know, Wisconsin, they have absolutely nothing to lose either way. They're going to go to a really good bowl game. If you win, like you said, you upset one of In my eyes, the best Ohio State team I've ever seen. Nobody's going to pick you to win. So what do you have to lose? You go out there and you play your game and you throw it all against the wall. And even even if you do get blown out, so what? Everybody expects you to get blown out anyway. So I think for Wisconsin, this is a good no-lose situation for them. And maybe some Wisconsin fans feel different if if they get blown out. But I I think that if Wisconsin doesn't take as many chances – as possible, then they're really missing the boat here. I mean, we saw Michigan kick a bunch of field goals on fourth down inside the 20 last week. If Wisconsin does that, then they they don't really deserve to be in the game because this is your shot to to beat a great team and you, you got nothing to lose. And I, I think that this one will be similar to that first game in the sense that I I don't see Ohio state doing what they did in in 2014. I I don't think that they're just going to blow Wisconsin out of the water and this won't be a game. But I I said this in our Penn state episode, when I talked to to the people over at black shoe diaries, this is one that if it's like 17 to seven, Wisconsin has to make the play in the third quarter, because if they don't, like I said earlier, things are going to snowball and that's how you go from 17-7 to 38-7 in like 10 minutes. So I think that in the third quarter, there's going to be a point where Wisconsin can either get a stop or convert a fourth down or has to to make a play to get off the field, a flip field position, whatever it may be. And if they don't, then it's just going to snowball. But if they do, it's going to be mid-fourth quarter and you're saying, okay, this is a 10-point game, seven-point game. Let's see what Wisconsin has. So I think that's that early third quarter is kind of where things really start to make or break against this Ohio state team. We've either seen teams just completely fold or like Penn state, um, that they were able to kind of just hang around and and make some plays and keep it a game.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. That's a great insight. Obviously we've seen two sides of Paul Chris this season. We've seen ultra conservative, like kind of in that first game, but we've also seen, you know, ultra aggressive, Paul, Chris, I know Wisconsin's had a ton of success going for it on fourth down. And I have to think just knowing his tendencies and in the way he's coached these football games, at least last week, he was really aggressive. So I I would have to imagine Wisconsin's going to come out and take their shots and, and see what happens. Because like you said, they've got nothing to lose guys that wraps up our episode and our interview with Colton. Colton, thanks again for joining the show. Uh, we really appreciate it and hope uh, you enjoy the Big Ten title game. Guys, make sure to go over and check out their stuff and their podcast over at Lant Grand Holy Land. Once again, I put out a ton of great content for SB Nation and the Buckeyes, so ton of stuff to read over on this Big Ten championship game. As always, we'll be back on Tuesday for our recap podcast. Go over the Big Ten championship game, everything we thought from that game down in Indianapolis. So make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you guys for listening. On Wisconsin. Boom, boom,